And now let's try and tune in to no good music from an undisclosed location somewhere in New Jersey. That style, playing guitar. When that comes on, you're out on the dance floor. Miami still rocks, man. Am I going to listen to this again? And it's definitely going to be a theme. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make this shit up. No. Listeners, this is Rob. And this is Matt. And we are on show 52. Ooh, like cards in a deck. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Good, nice number. Mm-hmm. Today our main topic is, I think we're calling it Concerts of a Lifetime. Yeah, top five live Concerts of a Lifetime. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, we didn't talk about this, but we're going to get to it later. Um, if it's the best five concerts or the most memorable because sometimes, you know, my memory's failing me. But. Well, I have five, but I'm saying they're not really in order. Oh, yeah, yeah, me you too. Know, because we've been to so many concerts over yeah. the years, hundreds. Right, it's like asking me to choose my favorite child. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I have a top three children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You're in my top three, yeah. So, yeah, the, the best I, five. Yeah, even uh, shows at the... It was the Sands, and now it's Wind Creek. I've been to, I think, like 25, 30 shows alone at that mm-hmm. venue. Yeah, yeah. But before we get into that, uh, I've got some new music that's come out. Now, one I've been looking really forward to is the Rolling Stones' new album. Yeah, yeah. Hackney Diamonds. And I was excited to, probably for the first time in a long time, uh, to actually go buy the vinyl album and put it on and listen to it for the first time. Yeah, like old times. You go yeah. and go and buy it and put yeah. it on. And they released two singles on Apple Music. And when the album came out that Friday, you know, I wasn't going to go into Apple Music like I usually do and listen. You know, in the morning, going to work, I'll mm-hmm. find a couple new albums or an album to listen to. But I could not find... The album, the physical copy. I went to Target. They had like every Taylor Swift album there. Yeah. But not the new Stones album. And then the next night, we were going grocery shopping and there's a Walmart near there. They didn't even have as many albums as Target had. And of course, not the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. But I hear they're phasing out. I know they're phasing out DVDs. I don't know if you heard that. A lot of stores. Okay. Because of all the streaming. Yeah. And maybe they're going to stop selling vinyl. So did, so did Walmart have even less yeah. uh, even less than they had before? I don't even think they had any newer albums. Wow. You can always get like the Eagles' greatest hits or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. <clears throat> Michael Buble, they had uh, his Christmas album Buble. at Target. And Taylor Swift, of course. So <laughs> I ended up ordering it on Target.com. Yeah. And I didn't get it till the following Thursday. <clears throat> <laughs> I listened to it, and it is great. 
Now, these are some of my favorite songs. Of course, the first single was Angry. And I like the simple guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. You know, mixed voice is just the same wow. as it's ever been. Yeah. I think he's 80, 81. Mm. Bite My Head Off, another simple riff song. Whole Wide World I liked. Need to check that one out. And here are some of the lyrics. Um, the filthy flat in Fulham, the smell of sex and gas. Be- behind the bars of prison, you're never getting out. They want to break your balls in those slimy walls. And the guards are lardy louts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And lardy is, means fat. Yeah, full of lard. And lout is like an awkward, stupid person. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah. Now this has a song, this is a song where there's a breakdown, which I call it a breakdown, but it's where it's just a mixed voice and not a lot of music going on and then it, and then it goes back in, in again. And I always like that. Break it down. (laughs) Um, And then driving me too hard. And this is kind of in the vein of uh, waiting on a friend. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I like that song actually. And I even think it could be it could have been a Tom Petty song. Guitar has kind of a country flair mm-hmm. to it. Well, cool. And then Keith is on one song, "Tell Me Straight." Mm-hmm. You mean he's singing? Once, yeah. You know. And then we have uh, there's a new Green Day album coming out, not till January nineteenth. Fifteen songs, and they released the single "The American Dream Is Killing Me." I don't know if you've listened to it. No, I didn't get a chance to. Yeah. And this is uh, a song, you know, like an anthem sing along, just like Green Day likes to do. Some lyrics are, we are not home. Are we not home? Kiss me, I'm dead inside. Who needs suicide? And then it goes right into when the American dream is killing me. Mm-hmm. So interesting lyrics. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, you know, a song about you know, everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, you yeah. Just, so, uh, are they all Canadian? Or they're, no, they're, they're American. But Green Day? Yeah, aren't they? No, I think they're Canadian. <laughs> yeah. I'm I just thinking about the reference of... Uh, I think, no, I think they're from California. <clears throat> really? I'm looking them up now. Oh. Amer- American Idiot is... Uh, wow, I have that. They're from California. Okay, all right, yeah. I'm probably got a mixed up. Probably got a mixed up with Michael J. Fox. Probably a rush. <laughs> so they also have a. There's another song, but it's it wasn't released uh, as a as a studio single. But I guess they've been doing this song live, mm-hmm. and it's called "Look Ma No Brains." Wow, that's another one. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And now we have a. Uh, and now we have a segment. That's right. It's a Moody Girl music alert. Mm-hmm. I have two new artists that I've, maybe not new, maybe not new to you, I don't know. Holly Humberstone. Hmm. Her album Paint My Bedroom Black. Paint it black. Came out September 15th. She's a cross between Olivia Rodrigo and I'd say Natalie Imbruglia hmm. and even the Sundays. Yeah. If you can imagine. She's yeah. a... 24-year-old from Grantham, England. This is her first full-length album. Cool. And you want to check out a song called Kissing in Swimming Pools. Hmm. 
Um, and it sounds like it might be about a guy she would like to share some time with, but imagining herself with this person, maybe someone that she's pursuing. Yeah. To be young and in love. Hmm. Very pleasant song. We have another one. Uh, it's F-E-N-N-E, Fen, Lily, L-I-L-Y, Big Picture, came out April 14th. Uh, very cool album cover, I have to say. Mm -hmm. It's a snow globe without snow, but it's a globe. And a house that's being sucked into the ground. Ooh. And there's like a little person, a little figure standing next to the house star staring at it. Wow. And she has a song to check out is Lights, Lights Light Up. And the guitar in that song, certain parts, reminds me of The Cure's Pictures of You. Yeah. Um, the lyrics are unique in that the first part is someone asking someone something. And then it turns into this person asking, I know it's confusing, asking her the same questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe one day we'll interview her, but there's a mention that she mentioned cancer in this song. Huh. It's labeled as alternative, uh, but Wikipedia says she's an English folk singer. And she's open for Lucy Dacus, who I've talked about before. And she is in the band Boy Genius with Phoebe Bridgers. And we know Phoebe Bridgers. She is the queen of Moody Girls. Yeah. Yes. Is there a uh, Moody Girl? Uh, I mean, it sounds like a new genre of music. Uh, can you get just Moody Girl music like you can get uh, Yacht Rock? I don't know. I have a... You know, a channel, a certain channel. For I me. made my own playlist. Yeah. Very cool. What do you have? What do you have right there, Rob? We got an email. Oh, okay. From a musician. Yeah. His name is Billy. Hope I get this right. Majerison. Majerison. M a g e r i s o n. Majerison. But he goes by the name just by his last name. Okay, Madge. Yeah. You know, like um, Cher, mm -hmm. Adele, but those are first names. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. He didn't want to go by Billy yeah. alone. So he's the son of two accomplished jazz musicians. Uh, he's a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, who's honed his craft in and around South London, Bristol, and the Southwest, playing a mix of blues, rock, reggae, and soul. Mm -hmm. So Billy's uh, debut releases, he, he doesn't have an album out. He has uh, singles. Uh, but they received critical acclaim, and two have been selected as Track of the Week on Radio Bristol. Mm -hmm. uh, Billy's also been invited into the BBC Upload Studio to do a week of performances. He's been featured on BBC Introducing, it says BBC Introducing in the West. Maybe that's a radio show. Mm -hmm. He is also active online and has amassed over 200,000 views across his social media platforms. Oh, that's, a, that's good. Good numbers. And Billy uh, sent me his new single called Gift. It's got a really great groove to it. Very soulful. Just a wonderful song. And uh, we're going to play a little sample of Gift right now. All right. Never knew pain until I met you 
people make each other feel this way Sorry if my anxiety bores you The truth is you're probably feeling about the same So I better go and check my heart You give to me You give to me That's you give to me Oh Is that you give to me You give to me That's you give to me Oh Okay, so hopefully yeah. you enjoyed that. Thank you, Billy. And yeah, we, we always encourage musicians um singers songwriters who have recorded in the last couple of years to send us their bio and maybe a song or two and maybe we'll play it on the show if we like it so yeah so that was billy madrison yeah and you can email us at no good music podcast at gmail.com k-n-o-w like a radio station yeah you no know, good music you know i know we all know you know So now we're going to talk about albums turning 50, 40, and 30 years old. 50 years old, even. Wow. It's like, I can't even imagine 50 years old. I know. I know. Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So 50 years, we are talking December 1973. Hmm. We have a couple music news, story, not stories, but things that happen. On December 3rd, 1973, mm -hmm. CBGB Music Club opens in Manhattan. Wow. And man. I don't think they're still there. I want to say they're not. Yeah, don't know. But Matt, can you tell me what those letters stand for? Oh, you probably you might, might have known at you one time. You suck. I did know at one time. CBGB. CBGB. I did know at one time. Um, well, give me the C. What do you think the C is for? <laughs> C. CBGB. See the band. Grind with the band. No. 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 Um, it's different types of music. Oh. So what would the C be, you think? Oh. Not CB, but C. C. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to see what... What genre of music uh, okay. should I say? Uh, uh, what you got... You got blues in there. Uh, country blues. Well, we're talking about the C first. Yeah, country. I'll, I'll lead you in. Country. Okay. And then you, the BG is a type of music. Did I get the blues right? No, you got, you got country. We're going in order here. Yeah. Country. Blues. And then BG. What's BG? Uh, bluegrass. Yes. Yeah. And then the B, you got the B. Blues. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so it stands for country, bluegrass, and blues. Yeah. Which is ironic because I don't know if they ever had any. Yeah, they probably like, did. Maybe the first, blues. The yeah, first maybe. month. Yeah. We're talking <laughs> 73. Yeah. yeah. Uh, December 31st, um, brothers Malcolm and Angus Young 
perform under the name ACDC at the former Sydney nightclub Checkers for their New Year's Eve party. So it sounds like mm. they performed for the first time under that name. Okay, now we have albums. December 1st, uh, someone who I love is Jim Croce. Yeah, yeah. I got a name. So this is his fifth and final studio album. His first uh, post- there we go. posthumous. And this is his first posthumous release. Uh, American singer-songwriter, of course. Uh, features the ballad, I'll Have to Say I Love You in a Song, which re- reached number nine in the U.S. singles chart. And the ballad, Salon and Saloon. I don't know if I know that one. I do not. I know the first song you mentioned, of course. And it was the last song he recorded in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song was written by guitarist Maury Mule. Mule, why do I get these words? Mule and was included on the album as a gift to Jim. The song is noted for its sparse piano only vocal backing. Uh, this would be Croce's, what well, we said, final album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Croce unfortunately died in a plane crash on September 20th, 1973. Yeah. So the album came out, like we said, uh, after he passed away. It says the day, it was the day before the album's title song was released. And the title track uh, is also the theme from the film The Last American Hero. And it reached number 10 in the U.S. Mm. December 5th, we got Sir Paul and Wings. Yes. Band on the run. The Undertaker drew a heavy sigh. (laughs) So this is my third studio album? No. Okay. We'll do that. We should so, interview Paul sometime. I think maybe we could have that come well, up. Well, if we interview enough people that, that know him, we might mm-hmm. actually get someone that... Well, I was, thinking, I was thinking right here in the studio, but yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this is the third studio album uh, by Paul McCartney and Wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was McCartney's fifth album after leaving the Beatles. And although sales were modest initially, its commercial performance was aided by two hit singles, Jet, and Band on the Run. Great song. Yeah. That song is so unique and, mm-hmm. you know, so complex. Yeah, it is. It's not a straightforward song. It became the top-selling studio album in 1974 in the United Kingdom and Australia, in addition to revitalizing McCartney's critical standing. It remains mccartney's most successful album and the most celebrated of his post beatles work Mm. now the album was recorded at emi studio in lagos nigeria wow mccartney wanted to make an album in an exotic location yeah shortly before departing for lagos drummer denny sewell and guitarist henry mccullough left the group and with no time to recruit replacements mccartney went into the studio with just his wife linda and Denny Lane. Wow. McCartney therefore played bass, drums, percussion, and most of the lead guitar parts. If people didn't know that. Wow. I did not know that. Now the studio was of poor quality and conditions in Nigeria mm-hmm. and things were tense and difficult. I think Jeremy and I we've mentioned this a couple of times in Jamaica when ACDC was recording Back in Black. Mm-hmm. They were actually given machetes, but not to like cut not to cut a path, yeah, but to, to to cut a bitch, 
Yeah. You know. <laughs> no, to, <laughs> to, defend, to themselves. defend themselves. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I thought you were going to talk about power outages and yeah. stuff, you know, messing up yeah. their recording, but dangerous places. So, uh, Lagos, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. I never would have guessed <clears throat> that. And uh, Paul and Linda were robbed at Knife Point. Oh, wow. Uh, losing a bag of song lyrics and demo tapes. So after the band's return to England, they did the final overdubs and further recording were carried out in London. And we have uh, December 21st is Ario Speedwagon, Riding the Storm Out. Yes. Now this is the third album. So what I didn't, I'm a big Ario Speedwagon fan, but mm-hmm. I, I guess I didn't know the history of the band because I didn't know that Kevin Cronin was in the band in, before this album. But then not on this album or the the next couple albums. Hmm. It was Mike Murphy on vocals. Now, the session started out with Kevin Cronin, but he left the band before the album was finished due to creative differences. The title track would later become a hit for the band on their live album after Cronin had returned to the band. And then he sang it. Yeah. Yeah. And the song refers to the band being stuck in a harsh winter blizzard after a snow in Boulder, Colorado, at a bar named T-U-L-A-G-I, Tulagi, hmm. which is now no longer there. So Kevin Cronin wouldn't return to the band until their sixth album in 1976. Now we're on to 1983. Okay. I remember it well. Mm-hmm. 30 years ago. Yeah. December. Some music news is... Wait, that's 40 years ago. I just said 30 years ago. Yeah, 40. 40 years ago. Yeah, we were very young back then. Yeah. Some news is December 2nd, Michael Jackson's 14-minute music video for Thrillers premiered on MTV. And Fish plays its first show at a Harris Millis cafeteria at the University of Vermont. That was their first show. A university cafeteria. Yeah. You got to start somewhere, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you could play and eat at the same time. Right. Eat Maybe fish. Maybe not sing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were serving fish. <laughs> and then uh, December 25th, this is, uh, this is kind of, it's sad. And, Christmas Day. And just strange. Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. gives his father, as a Christmas present, an unlicensed Smith & Wesson 38 Special Caliber Pistol so that Gay could protect himself from intruders. I guess his dad couldn't protect himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. A few months later, Marvin Gay Sr. would use it to shoot his son dead. Wow. Yeah. I did not know it was a I Christmas gift. I don't know the gift. story unless he thought he was an intruder or why he shot him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was a Christmas gift to his father. Yeah. Yeah. Very but, interesting. And now we have albums. Uh, we've got... This is December again, 83. Mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne, Bark at the Moon. Yeah. Now, this is the UK release, December 2nd. And we did not, co- I didn't cover this last month. November 18th was the US release. It's the third studio album by English heavy metal vocalist Ozzy Osbourne. And the album marks Ozzy's change to a synth-infused pop metal sound. Synth-infused pop metal. Synth-infused pop metal. Yeah. For you. I guess that's a genre. Listen, kiddos. So it was a commercial success, and it peaked at number 19 on the Billboard album chart, and within several weeks of release was certified gold for over 500,000 
sales in the United States. Wow. To date, it has sold over 3 million copies in the U.S. Hmm. In the U.K., it was the third of four Osborne, Osborne albums to attain silver certification. That's 60,000 units sold. Mm-hmm. This is Osborne's first album to feature guitarist Jake E. Lee, and only studio album to feature drummy Aldridge. And Bark at the Moon is the only Ozzy Osbourne album on which the songwriting is credited entirely to Osbourne. Yeah. But there's a story there. Yeah, yeah. However, guitarist Jake E. Lee maintains that he composed a significant amount of the album's music. Right. But was cheated out of his writing and publishing claims by... Who do you think he was cheated out by? Uh, It was obviously Ozzy's wife. Yes, it was Sharon. Yeah. So that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Lee claims that after he composed the songs and completed recording his parts in the studio, he was presented with a contract which stated that he would have no claim to any writing or publishing related to the album. The contract also stated that Lee could not mention this publicly. publicly. (laughs) I'm burning you and you can't talk about it. And he claims that he signed the contract because he had no legal representation and because Sharon threatened to fire him and have another guitarist re-record his guitar parts if he refused. Yeah. Kick-ass. Kick-ass Sharon. (laughs) Sharon's the new Karen. Ozzy wrote their songs. <laughs> Ozzy wrote them. <clears throat> Thank you. Okay, now we're on to 1993. So there's actually nothing going on in December 93. Yeah, everything else was like December, you know, except, the gift of the gun and yeah. Except, which I'm not going to go into some Michael Jackson stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. always something going on in Michael yeah. Jackson's house. <laughs> <laughs> Get down. I only have one album that's, you know, memorable or, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about. It's the Ramones. Yes. And it's called Acid Eaters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that album. Yeah. Acid Eater. Yeah. Acid Eaters. Uh, it's the 13th studio album. Mm-hmm. Now, it was released during, towards the end of the Ramones career. And it is the only album entirely composed of cover songs. Huh. I, I, I'd be interested to know what was on there. Well, it's a musical tribute to the Ramones' favorite artist of the 1960s. Highlights the influences the Ramones took from garage rock bands like the Seeds, the Amboy Dukes, as well as from popular bands such as the Beach Boys, the Who, and the Rolling Stones. Though the album is specifically made of covers from the 60s, it was not the first time that they recorded cover songs, which we know. Mm-hmm, right. And on most of their albums, they had like a cover song. They did, you know, we got the Rivera's California Sun. Do You Want to Dance was uh, originally recorded by Bobby Freeman, but it says it was the Beach Boys. The Trashman's Surfing Bird. <laughs> That's the thing. If you could, could you name the the original band that did Surfing Bird? No. And who is it? And now we know the Trashmen. The Trashmen. Yeah. The Searchers, uh, Needles and Pins. And I didn't know this. It was written by Sonny Bono and another guy, Jack Nitschisch. Nitschisch. Yeah. And which song is that? Needles and Pins. Oh. Sonny Bono. Yeah. Now, the album features uh, several guest singers mm-hmm. on backing vocals. Yes. Pete Townsend wow. on Substitute. Sebastian Bach 
on Out of Time mm-hmm. and Tracy Lords on something somebody to love. Do we do we know her? Tracy Lords. That just <laughs> sounds familiar. Well, she's she's an actress. A porn star. She was formerly yeah. Mm-hmm. Former porn star. Yeah. And and that she was in um John Waters movies. Yeah. So do you know her like intimately? No, I don't. She was in what was she in? Cry Baby with Johnny Depp. Oh yes, yeah. yes. So according to Johnny Ramone, while he considered Townsend one of the greats and one of my guitar heroes, uh, Pete Townsend was a half an hour late for his session. Oh, suck. You know, he wasn't like three hours late. And Johnny gave up and left the studio to watch a Yankees game. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, probably one of his, his musical heroes and, and I guess didn't get to meet him. Yeah. Because... Uh-huh. Went to watch the Yankees game. Okay, so that does it for albums. Yeah. And next up, we're going to talk about our concerts. Right. And Matt and I do not know each other's concerts. Right, we've come up with these. And, you know, uh, it's not just recently that we came up with these. You know, I think people who enjoy music like you and I do, I think that you go pondering that throughout your life. You know, you kind of have in the back of your mind what are some of the what are some of the best concerts you were at mm-hmm. and again like i said earlier i'm trying to think is this was this like what other people would consider the best concert or was it just memorable i think there's a lot of a lot of side notes that, i think it's a little bit of both right i think there's i think there's a lot of side notes and things that can uh, that got you there you know mm-hmm. got you there that night because yeah. I've been to shows, bands that I like, but I may not remember anything specifically from the concert, mm-hmm. you know, itself. Yeah. So I tried to pick ones where, um, definitely tried to pick ones that were memorable for one reason or another, you know, so we'd have something to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about if I start off and you yeah. finish? Yeah. All right. I'm going to start off with um, May 28th, 1986, Simple Minds and The Call. Mm-hmm. Now, very few people know the band The Call. In fact, uh, since probably uh, 1989, I haven't even listened to them. I you couldn't know. name one song. Yeah. Uh, I'm even having trouble naming a song. Yeah. But I liked them at the time, and it was, it was really, uh, really good. So this is for Simple Minds tour, Once Upon a Time, and, um, and it, it's... I, I was uh, saying uh, to you earlier about how it was hard to find this uh, on a couple different websites. It didn't come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's actual uh, for our listeners. There's actual websites you go to, and you can uh, you can log on and you can create your own lists of all the concerts you've been to in your lifetime. But you can search. You can search information on concerts you've been to even decades ago. You but, might might even be able to find a review. Yeah. Because yeah. there was a thing, kids, back in the day, newspapers. Yeah. And they would actually put the review. Someone would review the concert. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, giving you the input there if you didn't make I mean, it there. People priced You know, they yeah. do reviews now, but, you know, they're on. Mm-hmm. They're still on, you know, they'll be on social media. So I, so I thought maybe my memory was bad, but this was indeed on my birthday. So it was my 20th uh, birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, my some of my great memories for this show our friend al 
I'll call him Al. Mm-hmm. Al and I were uh, sleeping out for tickets. That's another thing that we don't do anymore. Yeah. In fact, people, not just when I say we, I mean uh, people, don't do anymore. Let's take you back to 1986. You had to hear about it through, through like... The radio station. Okay. Or, yeah. yeah, or your friends. Yeah. Your friends had to hear it on the radio station or you heard on the radio station. And... And then you had to figure out, okay, well, who's selling the tickets? Uh, the internet wasn't invented for another uh, eight years or so. Normally, um, normally a record store. But mm-hmm. I do remember, I think in the Lehigh Valley Mall, there was a ticket place. Ticketron or Ticketmaster. Yeah. Yeah. And Ticketron. You, and you'd have to be there, like say the ticket, they'd still have a set time when tickets went on sale. Right. Say 10 o'clock in the morning. But to get in line and hope that it didn't sell out, you would sometimes need to sleep outside. I, th- I think it was nine in the morning that they would go on sale. Yeah. It was eight, nine, or ten in yeah. the morning. But I think it was yeah. not nine in the morning. So so we would have found out that, uh, let's say, what, a month, Rob? About a month before tickets yeah. would go on sale? Yeah, a month or two. Two. A month yeah. or two. So you find out the date they're going to go on sale. So let's say it's Saturday, April 5th. 9 a.m., but you know it's going to sell out, or you want some of the best seats, mm-hmm. and you would sleep out for tickets. So, Tim, Tim, Al, yeah, yeah, but all three of us <laughs> slept out for uh, tickets. So, it was wonderful weather when we slept out, and you just hang out and you throw frisbee mm-hmm. and uh, you drink if you know you're 21. I'm kidding, <laughs> you, yeah. you just uh, hang out with people you don't know, and everyone is into simple minds, and it was a great time. So, good memory sleeping out for tickets for and the I'm show. And I'm pretty sure the seats were all the same price, yeah, yeah, they were. And mm-hmm. you get up to the counter mm-hmm. and you'd see what was available. Exactly. Yeah. So, 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 going through with the process for people who don't know sleeping out for tickets. So the next morning, if you slept or not, doesn't matter. The sun's going to come up and wake you up, and uh, you know you got to take a piss somewhere, and yeah. that's a challenge. Yeah. Uh, you're thirsty and you're hungry, but you got your money. You know, you got your you know fifteen dollars for these <laughs> these tickets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's big money, and and you kind of form in line outside of the uh, like this was it. You said which what, what mall would this have been? Palmer Park Mall Westgate. or Westgate Mall. Yeah. Yeah. And one so, of the smaller malls. Yeah. I just, I can picture myself, I don't know if I slept over, but I can picture myself standing out there. Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day. And then you see people pulling up in their cars saying, oh shit, we should have slept out last night because these people yeah. were in line before us. So then around uh, eight or nine, let's say it's, um, let's say eight, they open up the doors for the mall and so you go in and mm-hmm. you, you know nope there's no big rush because everybody is respecting each other yeah. and respecting a part in line yeah uh i don't th- i think i witnessed any fights until new york came and that's another story i think i and i don't want to say there weren't scalpers because if you watch fast times at ridgemont high mm-hmm. there was a i don't know the character name but he was selling tickets Bacoli. But, but you but you yeah. you there was of course no internet yeah. Nothing where you could sell them. You know, you had to you had to go up to people. Mm-hmm. Like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, he was go to the mall mm-hmm. and ask, "Hey, you want you want some cheap? I have cheap trick tickets." Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there wasn't the internet yet, but there was some sort of phone or electronic system where the tickets would be on sale for the show at yeah. all the Ticketron. Oh yeah, or all the Ticketmaster. Yeah, and so. 
uh, you would be in line, 10 o'clock is nearing, and you'd be there first in line because you slept out. And as soon as 10 o'clock comes, or 9 o'clock in this case, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, as soon as the hour comes, the little door opens. You don't go in. I think, was this like the, the, the old sliding uh, movie ticket, small window? I don't um, know. Yeah, I can't remember. So anyway, uh, and I then... I remember going up to a counter. And then every second is counts. Every second counts. Yeah, you Because every second, every minute, they're selling these tickets. You either take what comes up first, or, you know... No, I think you just take what comes up yeah, first. Yeah, because they would be the best Yeah, at that they're time, handing you the but, best... Uh, but they could be gone in like 10 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so sleeping out, uh, sleeping out for tickets, that was a thing. And, uh, and I had a, a good time, a good time doing that. Uh, for Simple Mind fans, they played songs like All the Things She Said, Don't You Forget About Me, Promised You a Miracle, uh, Don't You Forget About Me, of course, was on the soundtrack uh, of The Breakfast Club, I believe. It's The Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. The lead singer uh, hated that Mm -hmm. song he i don't know if he hated it he really didn't like it and didn't even want that song to be, get put out uh but uh pretender's lead christy Hine, christy Hine, his wife said yeah. no it sounds great go ahead and put it out and then it was their biggest hit ever in their entire career one of my best memories though from this concert and i'm almost done was uh the last song was a, a medley so the call played and then and then simple minds played and it was uh a combination of love song, and let's see if you know this, S Sun City, and then dance yeah. to the music. Uh, Sun City was a kind of rebel song. I ain't going to play in Sun City. Okay. Because yeah. people were... Um, uh, um, yeah, I think I remember that. People were boycotting, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. going and playing in South Africa because of apartheid. Mm -hmm. So the lyrics are, I ain't going to play in Sun City. Yeah. And then dance to the music. So, so the... The best part, and I can still almost get chills thinking of it, uh, I wasn't a drummer yet, but for the last me medley of songs, so for the last, the, the last part of the encore, the call came out, but there was two drum sets mm -hmm. side by side. Uh -huh. Everybody's playing. Both drum sets are, are playing mm -hmm. uh, and can <laughs> play Sun City. And it's just, <laughs> and two full drum sets playing aggressively. Oh. I was impressed. I wasn't drumming yet. Hadn't touched a drumstick yet for years later. But that was amazing. That was thrilling. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, having a really good time on my birthday. Yeah. Of course, I wasn't drinking, you know, I wasn't 21. Yeah. <laughs> what year was that again? That was 1986. Okay. So my first one is, of course... Cheap Trick. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I have two concerts uh, that are sort of a tie. First one is the Union County Music Festival. Now, this was in Cranford, New Jersey. It was an outdoor mm -hmm. festival, and they'd have three different stages, and it was a free concert, believe it or not. It's nothing like getting yeah. it for free. And this was 2006. They did concerts up until 2011. I don't know why they stopped. They would get sponsors, like companies, to sponsor, I mm -hmm. guess, to pay the bands. But I saw a lot of great concerts there. But this was the first time, even though I like Cheap Trick since, um, I don't know. 77, probably. Yeah, 77, mm -hmm. 78. This is the first time I saw them. And this was, of course, with Bunny Carlos, the drummer, who's 
left the band about 12, 13 years ago. I actually filmed this whole concert, but it's on my, I filmed it on a high eight camera. Mm-hmm. That no one came up to me and, and I just have to get it off of there to see. Yeah. <laughs> and they had just gotten off their Rock in the Joint tour with Aerosmith some months before. And again, these concerts, um, like I said, are memorable for one reason or another, but I, I don't really remember specific things. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just, I don't, like when I watch a movie, I don't remember movie quotes. Right. I just, but I, you enjoyed the show. You know that you like had a good time. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. outdoor, no seats, um, just like, and uh, this was, like I said, September, so maybe it was a little, the you know, cool weather, mm-hmm. wasn't too hot. Uh, I do have the set list, believe it or not. And if you ever need a set list, uh, there's a website called setlist. Wait a minute, where is it? <laughs> yeah, I was on it just recently, setlist.fm, I think, isn't it? Yes, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, setlist.fm. So they always start with hello there. You know, hello there, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. They did Big Eyes, O Candy, which was from their first album. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, you can also, I don't know if it's the same, I think it's the same website. You can, it'll tell you how many times that a band has played a song. Wow. But according to the people who put this atlas in there, so I don't know if it's every... Oh, you know, so every just time. what's recorded by the people, yeah. Yeah. It might not be the real number. Mm-hmm. So according to, like, Welcome to the World, which is a pretty obscure song. It's off of Rockford. They've done that song just 53 times, and we're talking out of thousands of concerts. If You Want My Love, Come On, Come On, Come On, which is also off of Rockford. Now, Rockford came out in... Uh, june of that year so they were doing some songs from that album because that would have been a fairly new album right and they do have a song called come on come on from in color and this one's come on come on come on <laughs> which is odd come on they did uh best friend which is off a special one that's there are some uh, there, there's songs in here now I, i've only seen them uh i don't know how many times seven Shut times but some of these songs I've never heard, this mm-hmm. is probably the first time I heard them. Now, I Want You to Want Me, according to setlist.fm, 2,059 times they've played that song. So that's a, like every concert. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you have to play that one. They did I Want What I Want, Voices, If It Takes a Lifetime, they've only done 41 times. The Flame, I'm sure they've done a lot. They did In the Street, which... Is from that 70s show, uh, Surrender. Mm-hmm. And then the encore was three songs. I really, when you and I saw them live uh, in Reading, PA, I really loved Surrender. That really, that really brought me back in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, that was, um, that was not Cheap Trick. Maybe that might have been The Family. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Nel- Nielsen Trust. The Nielsen Trust. Yeah. yeah. Well, you saw Cheap Trick with me at Wind Creek. Yeah, yeah, at Wind Creek yeah. yesterday. So then the other is the, at the Sands uh, with Peter Frampton. Mm-hmm. Now, that one is... Now, these two concerts are your tie for... Yeah. That, okay, you're putting these together. Yeah. All right. You can do that since it's the same yeah. band. You can't do that if it's different bands. And it was the Sands at the time 
they had only been open uh, three years, mm -hmm. and it was 2015, uh, July 28th, mm -hmm. and we had front row seats, and my son, who I've mentioned before, I know he listens to music, but it's probably rap music. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you really don't know. He doesn't talk yeah. about music. Yeah. So, so wait, wait. Have you ever had a conversation like about music? A little bit. Okay. He went to see Willie Nile with me. Mm -hmm. That's good. He went to see BB King with me one time. So my son was, um, my son was twelve. My wife was with me, and they didn't even stay. Like Cheap Trick opened for Frampton, and they didn't stay to see Frampton. Wow. They went shopping or something. I don't know. Pia. <laughs> but it was cool because uh, Robin Zander came out and my son was wearing a Stephen Curry jersey. Yeah. And he gave him the thumbs up. <laughs> and the odd thing is that concert, they didn't allow, you couldn't take photos after the third song. And they've since eased up. I yeah. don't know what, why. Uh, but anyone who knows Cheap Trick knows that Rick Nielsen, the guitarist, has like 300 400 guitars he doesn't mm -hmm. bring them all with him mm -hmm. but he'll switch out guitars he might have 10 different guitars yeah and a lot of unique ones yeah um, and he's a wild man on stage yeah yeah jumping around well maybe maybe years ago yeah yeah but his antics well. he still has plenty of antics yeah pointing at people smiling waving because cheap trick are kind of a quirky man i've always liked because you know, there there were two, Robin Zander, Tom Peterson were the pretty boys, if we want to say that. Mm -hmm. And then Rick and Bunny were kind of the odd. Mm -hmm. You know, Bunny was kind of nerdy. So was Rick. <laughs> so you had, and what's funny is they're in color album. They're on the cover. Robin and Tom are on the cover on motorcycles. And on the back cover, they're in color. Mm -hmm. And the back in black and white is Bunny and Rick on scooters. So they knew. Yeah, yeah there's a separation. Yeah. There's a big separation. Yeah. Yeah. When they did the encore uh, surrender, Robin came over because the, the encore, then we could stand at the stage. We didn't have to sit in our seats. So we were right at the stage and Robin came over mm -hmm. and, you know, mommy's all right. Daddy's all right. And he held the mic out to my son and my son like, doesn't say anything <laughs> so he ruined the song for everyone because you know, i'm yeah. sure one of the guys in the band was like rick it was was singing background yeah, so yeah it wasn't yeah. like completely silent yeah yeah but uh but that was a the kid didn't know it yeah that was a great show because uh, i hadn't seen them like i said the first time was 2006 and then 2015 is nine years later and now every year i try to try to see them mm -hmm. so there's a big gap in between yeah so so that's my that's my one yeah all right all i right. guess we'll say you know that's five i yeah. have them numbered but like i said these <clears throat> yeah are they're all for me they're all the same yeah, as well yeah. they're all they're all my favorite yeah. children yeah uh my next concert is uh for people who like uh the Violent Femmes, mm -hmm. but it's not the Violent Femmes. I did see the Femmes at the Tower Theater with our our friend who lives in Spring City, uh, the Schwantz. I went to, but uh, but this is a member of 
the Violent Femmes. So I saw the Mercy Seat uh, on the 22nd of October, 1987, at the Green Parrot. If you're a Jersey Shore person, especially northern Jersey, you'll know the Green Parrot. Neptune, New Jersey. It's probably not far from Asbury Park. But uh, Al and I went down, our friend Al, and saw the Mercy Seat. So a lot of people who know the Violent Femmes thinks this is a side project of Gordon Gano, Violent Femmes' lead singer. But indeed... It's uh, it's just a band that Gordon was happened to be asked to join. Oh, okay, and he he's on guitar, so he plays uh, electric and acoustic guitars. Uh, the gospel punk band The Mercy Seat is led by Zena von Heppenstahl, and this woman is so tall. I don't know if she was wearing heels that night too, but she's a very elegant African American woman, and she has got a voice. Um, she's a singer and songwriter. I was reading a little bit about Zena, and uh, she uh, was singing in church with her mom. Uh, I think it was in New York City or uh, North Jersey. But um, all uh, so she she's kept her her gospel roots and her songwriting. Uh, these were all originals. Uh, they were promoting an album called The Mercy Seat, self titled mm-hmm. album. But uh, Zena talks about going to CBGBs and seeing Blondie. Okay. Yeah. And and not just the vocals, but what is this woman doing? I mean, imagine Blondie and mm-hmm. seeing Deborah Debbie, Deborah Harry uh, at CBGBs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then also the Sex Pistols, you know, which typically doesn't fit in with the gospel that she's singing and playing. But uh, that's her influences right there early on. Uh, yeah, that's totally different. Yeah, yeah. Blondie and the, the Sex Pistols. End. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so we we get there and you have to picture a small bar small nightclub uh, at the green parrot and so we're there and uh we go up to the bar and we get a couple of drinks but the band starts setting up and there was like five of us at the bar another five people back there playing pool mm-hmm. and i'm thinking this is going to be such a great show yeah it's we're we're close mm-hmm. like from our bar stools we just look off on the side a little bit and they're playing for us it almost was to the point and it, i don't know if any of you have ever been there where you almost start to feel bad that there's not anybody else there yeah. like if you go to your friend's band right mm-hmm. and no one's showing up i almost started to feel that way like this is weird but then you know another dozen or two people came in and it was such an excellent show to have them right in front of us performing just mm-hmm. for us, you know, us two dozen people. Wow. Uh, it rocked. It was authentic. Um, some guy was on drums, another woman on bass. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at one point, Gordon uh, broke a guitar string and uh, uh, he would sing, he'd be singing back up to her. Yeah. He would sing with her and call and response. And, mm-hmm. he, you know, she was the lead singer. She's the leader of the band, Zena. Uh, was but at one point he breaks a guitar string and the band continues to jam uh, and he's speaking a few words while he changes his guitar string and so i had never seen that before yeah just you know there's no there's no techs or roadies around at all that was the band but uh he uh he threw the guitar string and then i couldn't help myself i i had to get violent femmes lead singer gordon's yeah. guitar string so yeah. i still have it to this day so you dove for it no i didn't dove uh, nobody dove but yeah. i'm like i am i am not above this yeah. <laughs> i am not so proud that i will not go down on the floor and pick it up mm-hmm. so i still have it to this day yeah. so that was that was a highlight it, it was it was just authentic and after the show it was great to uh to hang out with them of course do the usual 
you know, back and forth uh, when you meet people. But uh, to be able to meet uh, Gordon Gano and the rest of the band and just doing such a great job. It was much like the album that I just got done listening to solidly for the last uh, three, four weeks. So, so uh, clear. And uh, I was actually... um, Surprised they weren't just doing a few gigs. This was a two-year international tour that Uh they went around. Yeah, two years international, a lot of playing. Hopefully they made money because only 24 people show up. They didn't make uh, much money that night, yeah. So not well known. I thought it was interesting, just looking at the Green Parrot a little bit, who else played there? Lenny Kravitz had played there. Well, I read he did his first solo show there it sounds like it was almost his first show was at the green parrot what's lenny kravitz yeah oh okay yeah yeah Yeah. and uh i was really surprised at this it says november 1989 or 87 red hot chili peppers yeah yeah Yeah, i just pulled that up okay you did yeah that said they were paid 500 dollars. who was chili peppers yeah Wow. Yeah. They were paid $500 for a show at the Green Parrot. They said Lenny Kravitz made his first solo appearance at the Green Parrot. Oh, cool. Tell me about the Chili Someone Peppers. Someone said, we paid the Red Hot Chili Peppers 500 to perform <laughs> and paid Lenny Kravitz $100. They were all just up and coming then. Wow. This might have been a former owner. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the club's still there or not. Yeah, I don't know either. And yeah. I'd never been there before or since. Just to, just just picture your average size bar. I don't know. I I would say it was a small bar. Yeah, but they had to have a decent size to, um, you know, fit the fit the people in. You know, it's possible they had a larger room, but uh, knew that people weren't going to be showing up. I think. I think. I wonder if it was even a weekday. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. could have been a weekday. Yeah. So my next one is the Smithereens, who I've seen like in one form or another forty plus times. Wow. And this is the other form in that when they played at my house. Mm. And it was Pat Denizio, the late Pat Denizio, and Jim Babjack, guitarist for the New Jersey band, The Smithereens, which yeah. I know you've heard me talk about many times. And they played at the Lily Pad, yes. which was my house, which I think Pat gave it that name. <laughs> and I'm not going to give out the address, but it was Fairway Road uh-huh. in Bethlehem, yeah. June 13th, 2009. My son uh, just turned, what was he, six years old, and we had a birthday party. Afterthought is that, after, you know, after the next day, we, we were exhausted because we should have done it one weekend and then the next. So we had some people come for the birthday party and not stay for the concert. Mm-hmm. We didn't charge anything, but there was only about 20 people there. Mm-hmm. Matt wasn't there. Right. I, I just wrote the date down. My friend Rob, my good friend Rob, and I don't know what I was doing that day, but yeah. I probably would have done anything to to be here, to be in your home yeah. uh, with Pat Denisio. Yeah. So I'm just guessing that there was some sort of emergency with my kids that I couldn't leave them, all three of them with we my wife. We could have maybe just saw them or... No, no. Okay. Oh, no, it wasn't it. Okay. No, no, I I couldn't I couldn't drive uh, five yeah. hours and leave my wife alone yeah. with the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. I regret I I do regret it, but uh, yeah, I'm still married. So <laughs> <laughs> Pat got there kind of early because this was a I don't know what time there wasn't a set time for the what to start. Doesn't matter anyway. It's Pat. So, but we probably were aiming around six thirty seven. I don't know, maybe even earlier. But Pat got there before. Jimmy, and he needed to take a nap 
<laughs> so we it just kills me. kills me now this is the thing i was a fan of the smithereens and still am mm -hmm. both matt and i mm -hmm. since 87 mm -hmm. uh when they had especially for you yeah yeah uh their their first album and matt and i tried to see him in 87 we eventually saw him in 88 yeah yeah and then i reconnected kind of with the band i think it was in 2006 and it was at one of the the union county music fest which was the first festival they did mm -hmm. um when i met pat and he was just so friendly mm -hmm. and he was doing uh house concerts mm -hmm. and i think he had just by the time he got to our like did our show i think he was finishing up the you know driving across america yeah and he was i can say he was he was charging at when he first started two thousand mm -hmm. dollars and my wife and i were like you know we when we'd see them and we we kind of hang out with them before or after mm -hmm. and we're like i don't know if we you know want to spend two thousand we spend thirty five dollars mm -hmm. to go see him at sellersville theater mm -hmm. you know so pat lowered his price to 500 so that was more doable oh, and we yeah. thought it would be a just a cool thing to have pat play i was also friends with jim or jim knew us and my wife and i asked him if he would do it because mm -hmm. jim wasn't doing the house jim babjack wasn't doing the house concerts mm -hmm. but you're in jersey now you're not just too far yeah so, so jim agreed to do it with pat and Jimmy showed up. They call him Jimmy or Jim. Mm -hmm. He showed up later and asked where Pat was. And I said, Pat, and we had a bi-level. So Pat was sleeping in our guest room. Mm -hmm. and I said, Pat's in there. And I pointed at the door, which was closed. I said, Pat's in there sleeping. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, well then I guess I'll have time to have a cigar. So he went outside with um, some friends of mine. We had a patio out there and he sat out there. Mm -hmm. And then Pat, I think it was after the concert, Pat, noticed i had all i stephen king is one of my favorite authors and i probably i have like almost every book and I, and i had a bookshelf in there and pat mentioned that i like i like stephen king more than i liked him you know <laughs> and he's a little jealous <laughs> and unfortunately pat passed away and i, I still miss the guy you mm -hmm. know he was just a great personality now i kind of have a set list here but I also have something special because Pat talked about uh, talked about their album that had just come out where they did Tommy, right? Which they redid Tommy, and he talks about how because I think someone asked him if they're when they're or people were asking him when they're putting out a new album, and this was you know 2009. Eventually, they did put out a studio album, but Pat was going into how we've got to do this album before they'll let us do. A studio album to see how well this album does and they weren't on a big record label anymore but i actually have audio which unless you were there you would have never you know heard of this right i don't believe i've ever heard this before so this is pat talking because i don't want to play you know the music because it it's not the best audio either because this was also on my high eight so here's pat talking about tommy and some other things. We can always play behind the wall of sleep. We figure since we're representing the lilies here, and they're all that we try to stretch out a little on a lily pad, <laughs> as it were, and uh, do some stuff that we hardly ever do. 
stuff that you know. We'll, we'll do that stuff as well. Um, I'm glad to be back home uh, after six months on the road. And of course, we've continued to do shows all the while and put records out. More records, perhaps, than we put out uh, in many a year, probably the past decade. Uh, I was gladdened to see Dennis and Jimmy step up to the front with our new Tommy album. Let's hear it for these guys. Um, it's, uh, it's not really what we do, but it is what we do, you know what I mean? And, and these days, people say, well, what are you gonna put another original album out? Well, yeah, but these albums are the kind of things that the record label wants, and if we do the occasional odd album like Tommy for them, they open up the budget doors for us to do the original albums, just so you know personally why we create projects like this. Not necessarily that they are the best thing for all involved, but I think people get some enjoyment out of them. You know? Right, just judging from the uh, Amazon reviews from the, the kids out there, people seem to like it. Um, when, I, when I did my buddy Holly album, we were over at Vintage Vinyl in um, Edison and Forest, and we been over there. And were you there at that show? There was a, a writer, this guy named Joel from, from Billboard. He said, Pat, can I have a minute of your time? Um, I just wanted to react to this statement. For, for an article I'm doing for, for Billboard. And he said, Foo Fighters, number one album, Billboard charts. And he mentioned, you know, whatever it was, uh, spring 2009 or whatever, or fall 2008. Foo Fighters, number one album, total sales, 63,000. They used to be to have a gold album, it was 500,000. Platinum was a million, and you had to have at least platinum to be the number one album, right, Jim? Hell yeah. Um, at least that much. So, in any event... Uh, well, do you remember when we did Saturday Night Live, uh, that weekend we sold 100,000 albums just after that show? Yeah. So it's a different world out there, so... Um, choice and it's like well give us Tommy and we'll give you an original album what do you do enough said with that we're going to do the entire Tommy album now <laughs> <laughs> no we're not uh, that was Pat from my house <laughs> 2009 Pat liked to talk you know between songs which was great yeah, yeah. a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. So, so that's my number four. Yeah, and you yeah. you befriended uh, Pat between the time that he was at your house here until the time of his death. Uh, you grew to be able to call him friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was. Uh, yeah, I know it was early on, not later. Early on uh, in your friendship with him that uh, he came yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, so I do have um, as I do have sort of a set list now. <laughs> This is from, I, I did make two DVDs. Uh, there are a couple uh, videos on YouTube. So I'm not sure if there were, when I made these DVDs, if I assume I transferred everything from the, the video I took. So they started out with I Believe. And then Long Way Back Home, Long Way Back Again, which is kind of an obscure song from Date with the Smithereens. And then 
we had Pat talking and then she's got away from God Save the Smithereens. I'll Be On My Way, which is kind of an obscure Beatles song. It was written by Billy J. Kramer. And the thing is, in our last interview with Dave Swift, which you'll have heard before this, we talk about Chiller Theater, and the Smithereens were there one year. Hmm. And Billy J. Kramer was sitting next to them. Wow. I didn't know who he was. Pat was trying to get me to buy something from him. Yeah. And, or he introduced me to him. Obviously, he was a songwriter and he wrote this song for the Beatles. Yeah. Or that the Beatles recorded. Yeah. So I guess he was from the 50s, 60s, maybe. I don't know. And then Don't Bother Me, which I love, which the Smithereens did record on their Meet the Smithereens album. And Jimmy sings that, Don't Bother Me. It was the first song to be written by George Harrison to appear on a Beatles album. Uh, Norwegian Wood, another... So they did a lot of Beatles. Yeah. I'm a Loser, Well All Right, Buddy Holly. And then... um, Now, these weren't on my DVD, but they are on YouTube, A Girl Like You. And if you look up... I think if you look up uh, Pat Denizio... I don't know if you look up Lily Pad. I don't know if that's in there. Hmm. Uh, oh, look up Pad Denizia Carter Bean, because that's what we would call my son. Yeah. And a girl like you, Pat gets my son, who, like I said, is uh, six years old, <laughs> to come up and sing. And my son was just standing there and not just standing there. Yeah. And Pat was singing, like I was <laughs> singing to him. <laughs> not singing with him. Yeah. Singing to him. Yeah. So that's on YouTube. Uh-huh. Uh, they did It Doesn't Matter Anymore, Buddy Holly, Behind the Wall of Sleep, and Only a mem. Did I say Only a Memory? I think I said that before. Yeah. So, yeah, so those were the... So they did a good combination of songs at my house, and that was one of the most... And if I had to put a concert other than in a, a venue... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, who has concerts at their house? And know? since I missed it, was it uh, in the basement? Was it outdoors yeah. or where was it? Yeah, it was downstairs. Okay. We debated whether we'd have it outside, but they, even though it was Pat and Jimmy, they do get kind of loud. Yeah. <laughs> and my friend Scott Erickson. Yeah, they do. Scott Erickson brought these huge speakers and he had them on stands and I think they touched the ceiling down there. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. I'm sure it was loud. So... I did not, I forgot about that show since I wasn't there, and yeah. I should have guessed that would be on your list. Yeah. I did not remember that. Yeah. And I'm glad I did, I have video, you know, of it. Mm-hmm. It's not the best video, because like I said, it was on high eight, mm-hmm. but I did transfer it to DVD. All right, so for my next one, uh, it's yet another person who you have turned me on to, uh, you know, we try our best to share our music, and uh, you've always done mm-hmm. that for me. I, I appreciate that. Uh, this man uh, played at the one of many performers who played with Dave Matthews' Caravan Tour. Okay. All right. Can you guess who I'm going to talk about? He's open for them? Uh, he's played with them. I think the Caravan Tour had a whole bunch of people. Oh, Jeff Coffin. Yeah, Jeff Coffin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you turned me on to Jeff Coffin. I loved his stuff. And then I found out through you, or I just looked him up and said, he's going to be in my town. He's coming to my my actual town. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say hometown, but it's where I was living at the time. So uh, this is in uh, around uh, the year 2011. I don't have a, a, a date for it. 
can't find this concert. It's at the Main Street Bar and Grill in Harrisonburg, uh, yeah. Harrisonburg, Virginia. And so, no, it's not on people's lists and stuff. I didn't call or text Jeff to find out exactly when it is. Jeff is a saxophone player. He's a master at saxophone. Mm -hmm. He has workshops. He travels the world and uses a lot of his money to get kids in education of musical of musical instruments and such. So he's doing great work with that. So uh, this night was an excellent night. I went alone. I went with no one else that I knew. I don't. For some reason, I don't know why I didn't go, or I would have gone. Well, it's a similar reason. I wasn't at your house, right? <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. That You were in uh, Virginia, right? Yeah, it's Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's probably what Yeah, it. Main Street Bar and Grill. Yeah. So, there's three bands. It was a great price, you know, like $12 or something. Three bands. I get there, and I got something to drink, and then I got something to eat, and then I got something else to drink. And so forth. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so as a drummer, I like helping out uh, other drummers because that's what we do. So uh, the first band that comes on, I'm helping the, the guys set up, bring stuff in mm -hmm. uh, or, or tear down. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, good rock and roll band, kind of, uh, kind of indie rock kind of thing going on. Uh, the next band was I looked for the CD because I bought it. Okay, get this. It's a guy from the Caribbean. He's mm -hmm. a lead singer. He's got his band with uh, drums and, and, and bass, and he is playing steel pans. Mm -hmm. He's playing steel pan drums is his instrument to uh -huh. lead with. That was interesting. It's one of those things where a couple songs is great, but you can't, you can get too many steel yeah. pans uh, going on for, you know, mm -hmm. 45 minutes. So what were the first, the first band and this band instrumental? Only? Oh, great question. Great yeah. question. I don't remember the first band. Uh, I can't remember if they had some... In but the still drum it. guy must have been instrumental. Yes. He can't really sing. He could, have, he could have played and sang. You mm -hmm. know, I, I'm not sure. But, uh, but people who were there that night are mm -hmm. there for Jeff Coffin. Yeah. Uh, instrumental music and yet very, uh, very unique. Great questions, but mm -hmm. I can't quite remember. Yeah. The bar, small bar very similar to the size of <laughs> of uh, the one in Neptune but it starts to get packed i mean there is there is all the seats are taken all the standing room is taken mm -hmm. there's people outside you know yeah. having a smoke and trying to think can i get in yeah the place is packed i've already in good with uh the the bartender you know and 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 i'm i'm standing up front yeah. Uh, when I say up front, I mean, it's basically just picture, you know, it's your living room, you know. Yeah. And there's a stage, you know, three feet tall. I met one guy there who's a friend of a friend, Trevor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Trevor um, and I, I was like, hey, what's up? You know, we just, we knew each other's face. And so mm -hmm. uh, I, it was cool hanging out with him for a little bit because I got to know that he's a jazz uh, a fan. Mm -hmm. And we talked about New Orleans and uh, he was telling me about New Orleans and he was down there. He wants to go again and, mm -hmm. and just uh, party and just listen to great music. So yeah. I remember him, remember Trevor telling me about that. But uh, it's, uh, so that was good to have that one connection. It's a special day for Jeff Coffin. It's his birthday. This day is his birthday, mm -hmm. like actually on his birthday. About halfway through the show, they made him a cake and they bring yeah. it out. And again, I'm I'm kind of in, you know, I'm alongside, the, I'm in front of the band, but off on the side a little bit, helping people with stuff. And uh, I think maybe I, 
I helped uh, clear the way. So I, yeah, I, I just uh, put my hands up mm-hmm. and cleared the way for this cake to get through. Yeah, yeah. So he's playing up there and they bring out this cake. Of course, the, the lighting is just awesome. You know, it's low lighting. It's mm-hmm. it's really a, a special atmosphere. And the and the candles are burning. He's he's playing you know, and you can, it, he can't smile too much, right? Because he's trying to play saxophone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's happy. Mm-hmm. And um, we all sang happy birthday to him, which is, you know, uh, three, four hundred, five hundred uh, drunk people singing uh, yeah. happy birthday. It, <laughs> it was really great. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was right up front for that. That was special. Did they, did you get to eat the cake or was it uh, for the band? Do you know? I don't remember, mm-hmm. but I think I had so much in me that I probably couldn't have fit yeah. any cake. <laughs> But uh, there was a real, there's a real electric feel. Everybody being crammed in there and being so close. You've been mm-hmm. in those, you've been in those situations yeah. before, and yeah. uh, good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, like when we met, uh, like when we met the uh, the black James Taylor. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a there's a there's a vibe that's really good and positive and and like that show. It was it was it was uh, very special. When I saw Nine Inch Nails at this place called the pipeline mm-hmm. i think it was in newark when they came out with pretty hate machine mm-hmm. and this tiny club and it was packed and they had to turn the air conditioning off because the band needed power <laughs> and it was like freaking 100 degrees in there yeah and yeah. jam packed yeah this was before they this is right when the album came out or was about to come out and i don't know how we were kind of in the know where my friend Steve mm-hmm. was there with me, you know, so they knew, they knew, I didn't know who this band was because like I said, I don't even know if the album came out yet. And then they took off, you know, in mm-hmm. bigger, bigger places. Right. But that just being cramped in there was not. Yeah. Not a good but scene. But I did want to see them and. Right. Your friends knew that, uh, that they were good and they were yeah. onto something yeah. good. Yeah. I told you about the great vibe, the great feel. I think there were strangers, you know, sitting on strangers' laps. I mean, it was just, it was just, yeah. it was insane. It was just because you. There were people petting puppies. <laughs> furries, furries all over. Yeah. So, but one thing that I remember is he had, I think there's two or three different types of saxophones and, and, and I, I, I'm not educated in that, but he had two different types of saxophones and he played them at the same time. Okay. Picture in your yeah. mouth, two instruments, and you I, have. You, I think I've seen him do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think you. Yeah, if you. Yeah, Dave, with Dave Matthews, he might have done it that once. But for our listeners, just try to picture putting two two wind instruments in your mouth. You have to blow them differently, un- unless he blows them all the same. But you're playing different notes. You're he's yeah. playing two different instruments at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and it's freaking awesome. It was just yeah, freaking I've never awesome. Never seen anybody do that. The other thing is, I was really impressed. He had a bass player, drummer, and guitarist with him. Remember the guitars? The guitarist's name was Bill. You know, I have no yeah. idea why I remember that. Mm-hmm. But so freaking good, so <laughs> good. It was. It was. It was not just you listening to saxophone. I mean, the full band, and you know, even when the yeah. saxophone wasn't playing, um, it was really great. It was a great show. I didn't want to leave. I had. It was a Wednesday, I think, which mm-hmm. would be another reason why you're not showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, middle of the week. Yeah. It was a Wednesday and uh by the end of the show it's you know, it's one AM on mm-hmm. a Wednesday. <laughs> I gotta work the next day. I wanted so badly to to hang out with the guys for another hour or two. Yeah. And I couldn't because like 
I got to go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, a great show. And you didn't meet Jeff? Or? No, okay. no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I didn't get to meet him because uh, I had to, I had to get home. Yeah. Yeah. I had to work the next day. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stay another hour or two. So great show all around. So we're going from, uh, you know, tiny little show to one of the biggest shows probably of 1992. And it's you too. The Zoo TV tour. Okay. Yeah. All right. And this was um, March 18th, 1992 mm-hmm. at um, the Spectrum in <gasps> Philadelphia. Spectrum, yeah. yeah. Yes. I was there for a show or two. Yeah. And this tour lasted until 93. Matt and I both love you too. We, yeah. I've seen him like, I don't know, eight times maybe. I've seen him almost on every tour since, uh, well, since Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. Matt's seen him, saw him at Radio City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was just, um, like nothing I had seen before. It was, and you know, I think the hate for Bono <laughs> stems from maybe this tour because he had a couple different characters. Right, right. Uh, and I think people, and he was kind of, um, spoofing the rock star image. Yeah. He was, well, and then also, uh, I remember I have to say McFisto. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, I'm going to get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm jumping ahead. Go ahead. But there were giant TV screens, mm-hmm. cars su- suspended from the ceiling. And these cars were, uh, I did look them up. They're called Trabant cars. Mm-hmm. They're East German automobiles. He had a giant remote control. I remember Bono calling, would call the White House to see if he can get it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if was Bill Clinton. Pre- I, I don't remember who was president. <laughs> yeah, George Bush or one of the yeah. is he probably one of the Bushes? Yeah. But he had a handheld camera. It, it was just a, a little bit of everything. The mm-hmm. whole like rock and roll experience. I think uh, Bill Clinton was uh, elected that fall. Later, yeah, okay, ninety two. Yeah. So the tour's concept was inspired by the disparate television programming mm-hmm. cover- coverage of the Gulf War. And the desensitizing effect of mass media mm-hmm. and morning zoo radio shows. That's what I have here. Mm-hmm. Zooropa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Bono portrayed, he had several characters. Mm-hmm. And I do have, you can't see this, but, but Matt, I have visual of what Oh, okay. Good like. cards. So, yes. Uh, yeah. Eight by eight uh, flashcards yeah. with photos. So we had the fly. Yes, the fly. You know, at a glance, it looked like Michael Jackson, the yeah. the white Michael Jackson with the sunglasses there. So I I think that character was uh, that created people being turned off by YouTube by Bono. Mm-hmm. He's uh, leather clad, leather clad egomaniac. Yeah, over the top. He's going over the top. He's taking yeah. it big. He's taking it over the top. Yeah, he wore sunglasses, black leather. And it was a parody of an ego maniacal rock star. Mm-hmm. And behind Bono, uh, huge monitors flashed random words like sex, panic, death. Mm-hmm. And Bono attended some press conferences. And this is probably where the confusion lied in the character of the fly, oh. complete with the shades. Okay. So people who, I don't know, they probably saw this and thought that, oh, that's Bono now. What happened to Bono? And didn't realize it was a character. Right. And still don't realize it was a character. <laughs> and still don't know. Because he also appeared on the 
cover Rolling Stone as the fly. Mm-hmm. March 4th, 1993. And then we had the Mirrorball Man, and he was a greedy televangelist. Yes, yes. He preached the gospel of greed as a Texan televangelist. Uh, he'd strut on stage wearing aviators, a shiny silver cowboy hat and suit. Right, right. I'm just, just for our listeners, this is a, this is like a, a suit and cowboy hat that are all wrapped in aluminum foil. <laughs> just shiny. Yeah. He had a body, full body mirror to fawn over himself, mm-hmm. making out with his reflection. And that's when he would prank call the White House. Yeah, it would be the, the second George Bush. Then we had McFisto. McFisto. Oh, the evil, yeah. the evil yeah. McFisto. And he made his debut May 7th, 1993. Yes. Where a small group of fans were invited into the dress rehearsal for the summer leg of the Zoo TV tour. Yeah, that, I guess, well, McFisto, I know I saw McFisto, mm-hmm. but probably not this show, I'm going to say, because this tells me it's 1993. Well, it said it made his full debut. Okay. As the tour kicked off, Bono Don horns. Two earrings. <laughs> a red tie. One of the more memorable appearances of McFisto was in London. He called Salman Rushdie on the phone. Wow. And Rushdie was actually in the stadium, and he would eventually come out on stage, and he gave him a big hug. And he apparently was in, had been in hiding. Wow. Yeah, I remember once, yeah, Salman Rushdie wrote the book, The Satanic Verses, and uh, people were out to kill him for religious reasons. Yeah. So this is, like I said, most memorable. It was, it was like over the top. For me, I, who love you 2 and, and I still do, I just thought it was brilliant. You know, yeah. there was, I mean, yeah, some people want to go to a show and you just want to hear the music, but they were like seeing... Going to the circus. And there's music. <laughs> it's like going to the circus. I don't know. And I think I saw, I saw them twice on that tour. Cause, wow. Yeah. Because there was, because this is after um, Octung Baby. This was four months after Octung Baby came out. And I always think there was an Octung Baby tour, but this is the, the tour, the Zoo TV tour. Oh, was the Octane. okay? Yeah, not to be confused it. with Zuropa. Yeah, yeah. This is the Zoo to Zoo TV tour. Yeah. So was the Octane. If baby I saw album. him in March, mm-hmm. I I know Joshua Tree. I saw him on the first and second leg. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what first and second leg, you know it's the it's in the beginning of the year. They, mm-hmm. Then they they usually go over to Europe or mm-hmm. the UK, and then they'll come back to the US for the second leg. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was not there uh, yet. Another, uh, I was on the other side of the world, and I missed both of those times, both of those concerts. Yeah. So for my next one, my second to last one, I believe mm-hmm. it's going to be one that surprises you. Okay. And you wouldn't be able to guess it. It's not a band that you listen to, and the concert was amazing and outrageous and theatrical. Does your daughter listen? Yes, you got it. So, <laughs> so uh, this next one is from Halloween night in 2018. It's 21 Pilots. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, so 21 Pilots. I've turned my daughter on to some music that she likes, uh, and she's turned me on to 21 Pilots. Halloween night, okay? We dress up. 
my daughter doesn't drive, so she has to go with me to work mm-hmm. in Newmarket because so, we're heading to D.C. that night. So she sleeps in my car <laughs> and she walks around town. After work, we both dress up as the pumpkin man. <laughs> Pumpkin man. Great pumpkin. I just forgot his character. Charlie Brown? No, no, no. When I I texted our friend Keith, he sent me a picture of himself dressed the same. Jack Skellington? Yes. Skellington? Yeah. Wait, from Saturday Night Live? No. No, no, no. Who's the character? Who's the uh, the pumpkin? David S. Pumpkins. It's, we were David freaking S. Uh, Pumpkins. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you for helping me out because yeah. I didn't remember. We, we had the little uh, name tag. We each had a name tag. So we dressed alike and we had the name tag on mm-hmm. as well. So we're going, uh, we drive halfway to D.C. We go to the Vienna uh, Metro. So we take the Metro in on Halloween night dressed. So, so there's, there's a lot of excitement in the air to start with. But uh, the show... Um, start out with uh, AWOL Nation, just this really hard rock band. They're mm. okay. Yeah. And next was Max Frost. I saw him on Good Ma- Morning America right before or after that. Singer-songwriter doing uh, doing the recorded loops of himself as he's playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of good songs, yeah, uh, by Max Frost. That was pretty cool. But um, it's the Capitol Arena excuse me, Capital One Arena, uh, where the basketball team for DC plays mm-hmm. and a lot of other things are going on there. So, so you have to recognize too, coming up, oh, I didn't know the name of the street there, but just walking from the metro station to Capital One is really wild at night on Halloween night mm-hmm. and wild yeah. coming out as oh, well. Yeah. So there's a, real, there's a real buzz in the air. My daughter was thrilled. I mean, she's thrilled just being there. The excitement building up to 21 Pilots coming on. 21 Pilots is singer-songwriter Tyler Joseph and his friend, drummer Josh Dunn. Never a full band. Uh, kind of mysterious with that. Mm-hmm. Like, where are those bass lines coming from? <laughs> so, so there's always this, as a musician, uh, and you would wonder too if you were there, where's, where's those sounds coming from? I don't think they're playing to a background, a back track. Mm -hmm. I think someone is playing along with them, helping out. They're just not seen on stage. Yeah. It's very bizarre. (laughs) Very bizarre. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless they do something really well with a back track to get these these other sounds and these bass. Because no one's playing bass. I'm like, no. There's two guys on stage. Two guys. It's, It's Tyler and Josh. Maybe they're behind the curtain. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it was it was wild. But the excitement. They start off with jumpsuit, and if you're 21 Pilots fan, you know that was the uh, the album that they were touring for. The first song on the album, mm-hmm. jumpsuit. It is rocking. It is pounding. And Tyler sings the first verse, and then goes away, vanishes. And he's not to be seen, but he's up in the stands, halfway back, all the way at the top, across mm-hmm. from where we're at, and, he, and the spotlight's on him, and he's singing there. Uh-huh. That means he was singing from there the whole time, or back, or or in a hidden uh, yeah. alley back there. Mm-hmm. Someone else, because they had masks on, it was Halloween, they put wraps and masks on and stuff, both mm-hmm. of them, the drummer and the guy, at, pretending to be Tyler Joseph. That yeah. wasn't a him. It was a guy, ma- it was someone oh, okay. else, yeah. probably his brother, mm-hmm. mouthing the words, mm-hmm. and we thought it was them, because he's making the movements and has guitar in his yeah. hand. No, Tyler was up there 
in the stands mm-hmm. singing the first verse the whole <laughs> time. Cool. We got burned. Yeah. Burned you. That's not me on stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're screaming and yelling and thinking you see Tyler Joseph. On- no, it's not. It's somebody else wow. that will never know who it was. <laughs> but the stage had a burning car on it and the, the drum set was on uh, mechanics that lifted it up high, real high, and back down. There is a small stage in the center. We were in the stands up on the uh, to the left of the stage. Uh, there was another stage that would, would go down into and be hidden and would come up with a mic and a piano. And all the way down to the back to, to appease the fans in the back was a giant lift that went from ground level almost all the way up towards the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so at one point he's up there in the back <laughs> singing to the people who are in the, have the ultimate worst seats. Mm-hmm. He's just right oh, in front of cool. their faces singing. Yeah. And then there's a catwalk that went from uh, the mid stage I was talking about to the front stage. So he's running back and forth and hanging from that, that catwalk and, and shit. Mm-hmm. So this is the theatrics that makes me have this on this list. Yeah. I mean, and one more thing. Okay, at one point, they bring out this small drum set attached to a uh, probably a probably a six by six piece of plywood with handles screwed on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And he jumps on it and he's playing drums mic'd with wireless mics while he is surfing on the crowd. Uh-huh. The crowd is holding him up. And you can do it. You can hold, you yeah. know, uh, uh, 350 pounds if there's a bunch mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. And and all with handles. And wow. I can see these little handles. And he's just rocking out. And, and you know, they're trying to keep him level, but mm-hmm. he's swaying a little bit yeah. here and there. And he's freaking rocking. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome. It was awesome. Wow. And and while he's playing, and if he's, if he's on top of you, you can't witness it. But at least you get to, uh, you know, you're like... I, uh, I'm holding up. I'm holding up Josh Dunn as he's playing. Josh is a great drummer, a very powerful drummer, mm-hmm. not a not a light drummer like mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> very powerful. <laughs> that was a wow moment. I couldn't believe that. Of course, you have lots of lights, lots of beams, smoke. I encourage anyone who's interested to check out uh, Twenty One Pilots from Halloween Night 2018 because uh, some of the video is even impressive. I was watching it again, reliving a little bit of it thinking, oh, I don't remember when those lasers shot up from the <laughs> from the uh, stage and these two guys came out of nowhere and were grabbing them and, you know, mm-hmm. shining them all over through the smoke. And yeah. it was like, what are they going to do next, you know? So it was really impressive. I'm so glad my daughter was able to turn me on to that, that I was able to take her to her one and only 21 Pilots concert. Some of the uh, songs uh, that they played from my favorite were uh, Lane Boy, Ride, my Blood, and then Car Radio, which is a slow song, a very slow, meaningful song. It was, uh, it was, it was really wild. But another, t- another reason, one more reason this was a memorable concert is we leave there and we think, okay, we're out on the street again, and it's, uh, it's 11.30. Mm-hmm. Could we, what time's the metro stop? Ah, uh, we can't go out for something to eat, some noodles <laughs> or something yeah. to drink, because the metro stops at midnight. All right, we won't. We won't play around here. We'll just go. Well, guess what? We weren't thinking, we weren't watching, and we missed our exchange, our transfer, Uh to get back, to head east to Vienna. And it kept going south, down around the uh, Reagan National Airport, Mm -hmm. and I want to say CIA, no, that's not it, Uh, the big complex down there, the big, uh, the, the Pentagon. So we get down there, and guess what? That's when it stops. 
it stopped at quarter to 12, they're not going back north again. Mm -hmm. We're stuck in the middle of the night. It's 1230. The streets are vacant. This is not a residential place. This is the Pentagon. (laughs) And there is nothing. So we're like, okay, so I'm trying to stay cool so my daughter doesn't get Mm -hmm. anxious. We're tired. We're psyched. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We're far from (laughs) our hotel and car, which is, it's far. So we go out and uh, I asked, we got a bus, paid a few bucks for a bus to get to this other stop. And there was one taxi. It's desolate streets. (laughs) It's desolate. There was nobody around. There's no cars driving anywhere. It's desolate. And there's one taxi. It's like, let's go. And so I walk up to it and the guy didn't speak English as his first language. He mumbles something. I don't feel good about it. We get in the back of the taxi. Mm-hmm. I say where we're going, you know, which is the Vienna metro station. He's like, what? You know, because it's so far away. And yeah. it's miles away. It's a 10 yeah. miles away. And yeah. It's an hour <laughs> away. And and because uh, we went south instead of east. And uh, so he mumbles something. He doesn't like communicate well with us. We take off. We're in the back of this taxi and we both feel fear. And we're driving fast around these, 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 this exit. And, and it's, it's even a darker area. And I'm thinking... And I squeezed my daughter's hand, just looked at her and gave her a nod. I'm like, and she knew what I meant. Like, if we have to fight for it, we're going we're gonna to freaking fight for it. I, we both thought he was going to take us to an alley and, and kill us. He's a taxi driver, but that's happened before. But he didn't. We went back to- Most st- of them do drive erratically, though. Yeah, but you got to picture- I've been in taxis. <laughs> but you got to picture the scene from a movie where the last person has- has gone away there there is just concrete and street lights and Mm -hmm. tall buildings and it's just you in this one car there was no other cars around Mm -hmm. and then this i thought we were just going to go to a parking lot behind some buildings but we made it we uh we thought we were going to have to i don't know fight with our bare hands (laughs) um and and you know do we have to kill a man tonight really (laughs) (laughs) but uh i paid the God knows what, plus a $10 tip. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't matter, but I, I paid him a, you know, I don't know, $50 taxi ride and 10 buck tip. And we got back uh, to the car and from the car, we still had to drive to like Manassas, mm-hmm. you know, where we saw Dave Matthews. Yeah. Back to, it could have been the same hotel there at, the, at Manassas. We drove back and... Uh, you we got s- back at three o'clock. Yeah, we, we slept well. <laughs> we didn't sleep long. We, yeah, got back, at, uh, got back at three. So it was intense. But we were, we made it through. Mm-hmm. But to go from such elation, oh yeah, such elation to being tired for just a little bit on the train to being like, we're, we are, we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. To desperation. De- it was, des- it was yeah. desperate. It was, mm-hmm. I can't explain how desperate it was because we could get robbed at any time. Mm-hmm. No one knew where we were. Yeah. All my wife knows is that we're like in DC. Yeah. Yeah. So that was intense <laughs> and it was memorable. And uh, I don't suggest the other bands, but uh, 21 Pilots uh, is something to check out. Yeah, I have to listen to them a little more. Check out the videos just to mm-hmm. get the experience of what I saw that night. Yeah, and that's Halloween night 2018. So my number two is Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wow. And uh, the only time I saw Bruce, uh, Matt and I are big fans of Bruce, too. Yeah. And uh, love them. And I think we... Didn't see him on this last tour because of the ticket prices. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to. We saw yeah. the movie from, you know, three, t- two and three years ago. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to <laughs> spend that much money. Mm-hmm. So this was at the Spectrum in Phil- Philadelphia. It mm-hmm. was... Now, I'm not sure what night this was because he played six shows in a row. Wow. 
but it was around it, it was b- between September 14th to the 19th 1984 mm. now I can't remember uh, if I was I probably was married to my first wife because she was with me mm-hmm. I don't know how I get tickets did I sleep out no. I don't remember who were you who'd you go to the concert with did you my ex-wife oh you, well, okay you yeah. said you were with your I didn't know if you yeah yeah do you know what you know what I think I think I might have been um visiting my sister in Dallas the one and only time in Dallas okay. I went right before I went to tech school mm-hmm. for two a week to visit her or two I can't remember right in that time somewhere yeah yeah the album probably came out I, I love this like I still like this <laughs> album I mean, there's other albums I like better than this one mm-hmm. because I kind of, kind of don't want to hear "Born in the USA." No, it's not one of the stronger songs. But mm-hmm. I do remember sort of that this was just an incredible show because Bruce, at the time, was in like top form. I read that he was lifting weights and going to the gym to get in shape. Mm. Clarence Clemens was in shape. They were, they were, you know. It was 1984, so that was uh, almost, what, 40 years ago? Hmm. Bruce would have been in his 30s, something like that, late 20s, 30s. The one thing I do remember is there were folding chairs, and we had floor seats. Yeah. We weren't, like, way up, but we were, we were back, way back, but people were standing on the folding chairs. Wow. And I just remember standing on the, thinking the chair is going to collapse. I wasn't real comfortable, but if you wanted to see, you had to stand on a chair. Yeah. And I don't know at that time if they had huge monitors. They might have. Probably not. I think they didn't uh, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You had to see the the live people on stage. I really think they didn't yet. Now I was thinking this show was most likely a Saturday, which would have been (laughs) September 15th. And I actually, if you go on YouTube, of course, (laughs) there's a video. I'm not sure what night it's from. Mm -hmm. And someone filmed not only Bruce, but the people in the audience, like going down the aisles. And of course, I looked for myself. Yeah. But it's a great time capsule of 1984. And I urge anyone who uh, wants to see what 1984 looked like as far as hairstyles <laughs> and clothing, uh-huh. you're going to get a good idea. Oh, so this wasn't like in the dark and like... No. Uh, like... No, it was well lit. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. So if you if you search Bruce Springsteen Spectrum 1984, you'll see the video come up. Hmm. He is performing a song, and it's uh, called Detroit Medley. I don't know if he gave it that name, but I guess a lot of songs from... Uh, uh, like Devil in a Blue Dress, a lot of that Detroit sound, mm-hmm. but a medley. But you can see the energy of the band. And what's amazing is the energy of the band and the energy of the crowd. People yeah. dancing in the aisles yeah, and just having a great time. Do you know, I just want to interrupt right there. It's just, that makes such a difference. Picture the energy I talked about with Jeff Coffin uh, in a smaller venue and then in a mid-sized venue, the energy there. Compared to being at a concert, and you and I have, have been at them as well, where people are just, they're like, like you put a bunch of mannequins, like, yeah. there's there's no movement, and you're not really sure if they're really into it. 
it's a, it makes a difference. You it's know? funny because they're it, one part of the video. There's like one guy sitting. You see him sit, sitting mm -hmm. and looking kind of bored, and like everybody, I think in the whole stadium is yeah is yeah. on their feet. Yeah, you know. Now the stadium was torn down. Uh, let's see, May 2011. Huh. And the last concert there was Pearl Jam on October 31st, 2009. Now this tour was the longest, most successful tour to date, I guess, for Bruce. And it says it featured a physically transformed Springsteen after, oh, two years of bodybuilding. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> the singer had bulked up considerably. The so tour was the first since the, it says, 1974 portions of the Born to Run tours uh, without guitarist Steven Van Zandt. Mm -hmm. He decided to go solo after he recorded the album with them. And Niles Lofgren uh, replaced him on this tour. And it was the first tour to feature his wife, Patty Scalfa. This tour was? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The tour grossed 80 to 90 million overall, which is, I guess, a lot back then. Mm -hmm. You have to multiply by three or four to get uh, today's numbers there. About three, yeah. anyway. And the other thing about... And I, I did have a program from this tour, but I don't know what happened to it. Mm -hmm. I no longer have it. Mm -hmm. I always want to see Bruce again, you know, and he's getting up there in age. Mm -hmm. And he did have, towards the end of this last tour, he had health problems or something and had to cancel shows. Yeah, yeah. So you're never going to see something like this from Bruce with that energy. And of course, Clarence Clemens is no mm -hmm. longer around. Now, the other thing is the first date of this tour was June 29th, 1984. And that's when Courtney Cox danced on stage with Bruce and they filmed the video for Dancing in the Dark. Huh. She was 20 years old. 20. <laughs> and she was not yet, she might have been in a couple things, like, but not, she wasn't well known at all. Mm -hmm. She was just, she was 20, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Courtney Cox from Friends dancing <laughs> with Bruce. It says she was chosen from a casting call by director Brian De Palma uh, to appear in the video. And it was at the St. Paul Civic Center. Yeah, it was the first, you know, show of the tour. Mm -hmm. Now, I did find the set list. Uh, we got Born in the USA, Out in the Street, Spirit in the Night, Atlantic City, State Trooper. He did a lot of songs from Nebraska, which I think was the album before that. Reason to Believe I'm Going Down, Darlington County. Glory Days, The Promised Land, The River, Trapped, which is a Jimmy Cliff cover, Badlands, Thunder Road. That's set one. Wow. <laughs> Hungry Heart, Dancing in the Dark, Cadillac Ranch, Candy's Room, which he premiered on this tour. Really? <laughs> I'm on Fire, Cover Me, Pink Cadillac, Bobby Jean, Jersey Girl, Rosalita, The Encore. Now, have you ever heard... Of someone doing, let's see. Five songs on an encore? Six songs on an encore. Hmm. I'm Bad, I'm Nationwide, ZZ Top cover, <laughs> Jungle Land, Born to Run, The Detroit Medley, Twist and Shout, and Do You Love Me. Do You Love Me, really? So, a couple, <laughs> so some cover songs in there. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. I would like to look for 
a DVD. I'm sure there might be something out there from this tour. Mm-hmm. Maybe even from that that show. Like I said, I don't know the exact date. I don't have my ticket stub anymore. What's the name of the album he was promoting? I'm sorry, I forgot. Born, born in the USA. Oh, okay. Not right. born to run. So yeah, we've got uh, one more each to do for this mm-hmm. podcast here. I'm noticing a theme. I don't know if it's... Do you notice the theme as we've done our 10 different concerts? Well, mine are really old concerts. Well, My, not, mine are all old, too, except for... Yeah. Like, well, except for, yeah, 21 Pilots. They're all um, rock and roll? No. <laughs> it's not really a theme within them. It's something that's missing. I have not been at any of yours, and you have not oh. been at any of oh, mine. Yeah. Which is we have been we have been friends for a half a century, almost. We've known mm-hmm. each other for yeah. half a century, a couple years more than, and we've gone. We just talk music constantly, and we go to shows constantly. Yeah. And our top ten, I don't know what yours is, last one and my last, and you don't know what my last one is, but we have not been at each other's. We have not been at a memorable concert together. Wow. <laughs> But we do have some honorable mentions, like that Amos Lee months ago, you know? But anyway, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, The last one I have for today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that you can guess mine, and I can't guess yours. That's what I think. The only thing I can think of is, uh, like, Dave Matthews. Okay, so that's not it. (laughs) All right, we're going back to uh, December 3rd, 1984, Radio City Music Hall. Oh, okay. My first U2 concert. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Waterboys opened up for you too. I believe I, I slept out for tickets or got really early for tickets. I went with our late friend, Jim Cozy. Not sure why, uh, you were busy somehow doing something. Uh, I was a little bit out of touch with, uh, uh Keith. Uh, some people were out in co- at college and a couple other friends weren't around. I got the tickets and Jim Cozy got the Greyhound bus tickets. We took a Greyhound bus into New York City. Um, I mean, who does that, right? Do you have the date on that concert? Yeah, December 3rd, 1984. Now, I had tried to get U2 tickets for the Tower Theater in Philly. I wanted I wanted to be closer. So I wanted to get the Tower Theater in Philly. Those tickets, we talked about sleeping out for tickets, getting there the next morning. Those tickets sold out in 20 minutes. 20 minutes, the Tower Theater sold out completely. I get up there and they go, no more tickets. We're, they're done. I'm like, what do you mean you're done? We've been selling for 20 minutes. Yeah. They were done. So I couldn't get the Tower Theater. Didn't make it to that show. Uh, but the, I did get to this theater. I skipped school. That's what I had in my notes here. I skipped mm-hmm. school to get uh, those tickets. Jim liked U2. Uh, but this, I was so into U2 at this point. This was the album... Uh, the Unforgettable Fire. Mm-hmm. So they had behind them Boy and then October. I think you turned me on the U2. Mm-hmm. And it would have been about this time. I remember so, listen, going over your house mm-hmm. and listening to that album. Oh, wait, the War album as well was behind us. Yeah. I didn't see, we didn't see U2 in the War, uh, in the war album tour. Mm-hmm. So um, I was so into U2 at this point. I knew the three albums before. I knew this album. I knew the B-sides. Uh, I'd already purchased some black market, I can't think of the name, black market albums. Bootleg? Bootleg. Bootleg. Yes, bootleg albums. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, U2 at this point 
was feeding me, feeding my emotion, an emotional state. Yeah. yeah. I was living in Allentown. I was alone. I was just mm-hmm. studying. It was me and the studies, uh, an extension of high school. It was very depressing. Yeah. The unforgettable fire uh, really brought me around. We were pretty close to stage on the left side and it was, it was insane. It was so wonderful. Uh, there was a part where uh, the edge could walk over a little bit and Bono could come over mm-hmm. uh, just probably a, like a four or five, six foot walkway, like where he could come over. Uh, at one point, uh, fans got wild and rushed the stage uh-huh. and um, and f- people fighting and pushing with uh, security. And this is in the Radio City Music Hall. Okay, this isn't a theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the feel is different. You're supposed to be nice in a red velvet chair theater. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're standing on top of the chairs. It was really intense. Again, at the Unforgettable Fire, Bono was probably at his most serious mode, okay? He wasn't able to get creative and, and, and satirical, you know, with McFisto and such. Yeah. Uh, he was just completely bearing his soul and being serious. But they were still, um, you know, building up momentum, oh, mm-hmm. you know, as a band. Yeah. And, the, and again, them being so young, the energy. Yeah. Yeah, so Just so the much intensity. Yeah, Bono was realizing they all were realizing they couldn't be in theaters anymore. This is one of the last time they ever played in a theater. Yeah, they went. Uh, in fact, I, this might have been the, the next tour or the second part of this tour. They went to arenas, but I knew that it was one of the last times that they were able to. I'm be. wondering when the album came out. Um, obviously, before this tour, the Unforgettable Fire. Yeah. Would have come out probably the summer of eighty four. Yeah, it would have probably come out summer of eighty four. It came no, came out October first, eighty four. Wow! And when was this concert? December. Yeah, third. It's only mm-hmm. two months out. Yeah. So <laughs> Matt Matt has given this album a lot of listens to in that yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, a lot of lot of uh, uh, great songs. I had the set list, but it. Uh, Started with 11 o'clock TikTok and ended with 40. I think it was at this point where they started ending all their concerts with uh, the song 40. Remember, I was only 18. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Jim were only two 18-year-olds, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, younger than our kids are now. So Bono was very serious. And this is where I learned, along with the t-shirts, I don't know that they sold anything else. Mm -hmm. There was stands for Amnesty International, and I found out what Amnesty International was doing to to help people who were yeah. um, who were fighting their government and being oppressed for mm-hmm. it. Uh, I learned out what a part two a words apartheid. A, apartheid was. He was fighting apartheid. Now Nelson Mandela was still in jail. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that Nelson Mandela was in jail for twenty seven years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. He wasn't released until 1990. And so this is still six years. Do you know about the Mandela effect? Yes, I've heard. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Because most people are positive he died in jail. Yeah. He was in there so long yeah. and he didn't. No, no. He. That's why they call it the Mandela okay. effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't know he was in jail that long. I didn't know mm-hmm. it was six more years till he was released. But Free Mandela was starting then. Yeah. People, Bono, like nobody else, I think, at the time, was able to use his voice, which mm-hmm. was just starting to raise, because people barely knew war and, yeah. and New Year's Day and, mm-hmm. and, and such, to use his voice as, as a social conscience and getting it out there. Like, 
what is what what does it mean you know as an 18 year old what does it mean as an 18 year old to care mm -hmm. about someone who's jailed in in south africa yeah and then i realized why it's like oh my god really you can't even just say that it's okay that black and white live together <laughs> yeah. I say live together, mm -hmm. live in harmony together, be, you know, in a community together, you know. Yeah, jailed for words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was, it was, it was amazing. The, the songs was, were so touching. Like when it was something from Boy or October or War, it didn't strike me like the songs did when he's singing MLK or mm -hmm. he's singing The Unforgettable Fire. Uh, it touched me, you know, I was crying, you know, I'm yeah. there crying <laughs> as an 18 year old in New York City, you know, who is this boy? It was amazing. It was amazing. And I was, I was very touched. Don't remember the bus ride home. I don't remember. There's a lot of things I don't remember, but I do remember clearly how good it was being with all those strangers, standing up on the armrests of the red velvet chairs, mm -hmm. and and the feel that we were all one. There was would, solidarity. There was real solidarity in that. Would that have been one of your first concerts? I mean, 84? Well, yeah. I would have only been going to concerts for a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, not one of my first, but... Yeah. Yeah, year and a half after my first major national concert. But yeah. And it's funny, you know, just reflecting on it about how you and I... And, and other friends would go to New York City. It was very dangerous then, <laughs> but we yeah. would go to New York City. It's like, yeah, let's just go and let's walk around New York City as 17, 18 year olds. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so, yes, um, if you had thought about it, you would have come up with that uh, as, as one of my top comments. And I cannot guess your last one. You can't? It's my first concert. Rush. Right. Oh, I wish I had tried harder. Now, I always thought I was older, not much older, but I actually figured out how old I was, and I was 14. Yes, because we went to different high schools. Yeah. The first... First semester. Semester of high school. Yeah, I went... So, I started going to a technical school, thinking I don't even remember what I was going to mm -hmm. go there for. The other choices were a public school or a Catholic school. Yeah, and all my friends uh, from grade school were going... Mostly to the high school, not the Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And after the first semester, I, they let me transfer to Phillipsburg High School. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so the, when I was at the tech school, it was just, I mean, I'm surprised that there wasn't like just pot smoke, you know, where you couldn't <laughs> see in the school. You learned a lot at tech school. Yeah, I think the, the kids were smoking pot the teachers are smoking pot the teachers are probably selling pot right uh, and 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 listeners you got to understand if you're if you're under 30 right now this is drugs this is mm. not the pot that everybody can eat and smoke nowadays okay this is this is well, actually, so different yeah but actually i think it, it was probably like my wife said i think it's probably milder it was milder yeah but i'm talking there's different mm -hmm. levels now yeah i wasn't talking about yeah. the actual drug oh, i was okay. talking about the 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 social and oh, legal yeah. legal repercussions oh yeah 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 big time yeah 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 and you're 14 go ahead yeah i'm 14 <laughs> i don't remember even the person i went with because I had just become friends with him. We're talking, this is what's weird. It was September 30th. 
I would have just started school. Wow. We must have hit it off, and he asked me if I wanted to go to see Rush. And uh, I knew who Rush was, even at 14. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure, well, his, I remember there were other people with us and older kids. So it must have been. Well, Hector's, I, Hector's nobody younger, Rob. No. <laughs> well, someone who had to drive. Yeah, yeah. Older. But my parents let me go somehow mm -hmm. with someone I hardly knew. Mm -hmm. And I think it was his brother, I'm going to say, mm -hmm. that drove us. And it was outside Allentown Fairgrounds every year. They still have concerts there. They have a fair. And they have, you know, the stage. There's a huge area where there's no seats. And then they have like bleacher seats. Yeah. If they yeah. still, I haven't been there in a long time. <laughs> so I'm with all these people that I really don't know. They start passing around a joint. Could have been right before Rush came on. <laughs> During, who knows? Because also nobody did a lot of things back then as far as, you know, arresting people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on where it was, mm -hmm. you know, but especially concerts. Now, you and I had played around with smoking already a little bit. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But I never inhaled. Just like Bill Clinton, I never inhaled. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. So this was the moving pictures tour. Yeah. The black album with the, yeah. uh, the people moving a picture yeah. on the front. Now, I found... An original ad for this concert, which is remarkable because it was in the Aquarian Weekly. Yeah. Which was um, based in New Jersey somewhere. Okay. okay. Oh, I got it mixed up with the Village Voice. Yeah. Aquarian Weekly, yeah. New Jersey. It was a music. It was on regular like newspaper paper, but in like a booklet form. Mm -hmm. Might be still around. I don't know. <laughs> but there was a promotion company called McCool Productions. So if you're from the oh, Lehigh Valley, you might yes. remember that name. McCool Productions. And the it's it has other ads on this page, but there at the bottom there's an ad for Rush for the Allentown Fairgrounds, and there's a cool caricature of the three of them. Hmm. And um, yeah, I have that framed in my basement. So you knew uh, moving pictures already. Tom Sawyer is from Moving Pictures, right? Yeah. So, so you knew Moving Pictures already and 2112 and such? I think you were, you were already... Were you already rocking and into Rush or were you just going to a concert? I guess that's what I'm wondering. I'm going to see when this Moving Pictures came out because... Uh, oh, I believe it came out in that summer because you and I went to Wildwood when Tom Sawyer came out. You and I were... Uh, it was a new song and uh, you and I were at Wildwood as, uh, after eighth grade. And we were down there, and Tom Sawyer had just come out. So I'm guessing summer of that year. No, this is what's odd. I don't know why I don't, I don't have it noted here. The album didn't come out till February. Of what year? Of 81. The tour started September 11th. Wait, 81? I thought you were in 84. Oh, you're back in 81, yeah. Well, the, when I saw him was 1980. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three three weeks into meeting your friend there, yeah. There were 95 shows. But the... It says September 11th, 1980 to July 5th, 81. Yeah. And the album came out February 12th, 81. That's pretty weird. Odd. Yes. That's, that's odd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they... 
you know, there probably was a couple singles. I think I knew because we listened, we talked about Z95 uh, radio station, Mm -hmm. which still actually plays the same set list from 1980. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I I knew Free Will. I don't know if Limelight was on, might have been on Moving Pictures. I can't remember. Yeah, Lime, okay. Maybe they were already playing like Limelight mm-hmm. or Tom Sawyer on the radio, you right. know, released as a single. Yeah. I definitely knew Free Will. I love Free Will. Now, one song, another song I love that is not on the set list is Fly By Night. They didn't do. Huh. That would have been like four or five years before yeah. this tour. Somebody's probably tired of it. Someone yeah. said, we're not, this, let's leave that one off. Yeah. Yeah. So they started out with 2112. Cool. Overture. Mm-hmm. Free Will, Limelight. They had some weird named songs too. Uh, Cygnus, uh, 11, Book Two Hemispheres. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Beneath, Between, and Be- Behind, The Camera Eye. You know that one? Mm-hmm. YYZ. Love then that th- one. Then there was a drum solo. Brunsbane, The Trees. I like that song, The Trees. Xanadu. That's Olivia Newton-John. But <laughs> <laughs> The Spirit of Radio. That was another one. Red Barchetta, which is on... Screaming Red Barchetta. I love Red. Yes. Closer to the Heart, Tom Sawyer, Vital Signs, Natural Science. They did a lot of songs. Working Man. They did, looks like another instrumental from Hemispheres. Mm-hmm. By Tour and the Snow Dog. Don't know that one. In the end, in the mood, and twenty one twelve grand finale, twenty four songs. Cool, they did. Yeah, and how much of it do you remember? That's going to be the big question because you know, what do you remember from it? I remember, I don't remember much from the like musically. You know, that's mm-hmm. these these concerts because they, after time, after you've heard these songs so many times too, it kind yeah, of blurs. Yeah. yeah. I do remember standing there, like, and then passing the joint around. I can, I yeah. can picture it in my head. There were people around us. I don't know if they were smoking. That's <laughs> basically what. I... Yeah, but but emotionally, the feel was positive and good. Like, oh yeah, because like I'm in this new place with a new friend with a new joint, mm-hmm. and and this is a unique experience, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're freaking rocking, you know. Neil Pert and my Neil first, Pert's in front of you yeah. rocking out, man. And my first concert, actually seeing uh, the performers yeah. live, you know, in yeah. person rather than on, we didn't have MTV. We didn't have music videos. We didn't, like I mentioned this before, you could go to the record store mm-hmm. and buy, I think, bootleg concerts and stuff mm-hmm. like that if you wanted to see concerts yeah i don't remember access to that though no i think 19 uh i don't know when vhs <laughs> came out um, yeah might have been uh might have been then but mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. but i wasn't buying i wasn't buying a lot at 14 um yeah i had probably still had a paper route maybe. when you did it was a gamble you had to really gamble on whether you're gonna like it or not I'm just wondering how right. i talked my parents in and they letting me go because they weren't concert goers and I, I didn't have siblings that, older siblings that took me to concerts. Yeah. They loved you and they wanted you to get out. Yeah. They're like, Robbie is going to get out. Yeah. Let's let him get out. <laughs> There's no such thing as pot in this county. Yeah. Yeah. I feel as as far as a music lover and 
that for me, when people ask what what was your first concert, I I feel I I picked I had one of the coolest first concerts right. I think yeah. was Rush and Moving Pictures. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. You know, yeah, because some people, you know, I think my wife's first concert was maybe the Monkees. <laughs> but not like way back yeah you know, yeah yeah. Been, yeah she's not that old this would have been the 80s late 80s yeah maybe. yeah you know? yeah not th- i mean that's kind of cool too yeah but i've i've seen people put captain and tennille would you want that to be your first yeah your first love yeah your yeah. first concert so 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 you, mm-hmm. kids out there if you haven't gone to a concert yet make sure you pick a good one yeah yeah okay no captain and tennille for you because when you're you know uh you know, 30 years from now, yeah. when you're 105, you want it to be something cool. But you know what I, you know what I realized when you, I didn't know where you went for your Rush concert. Oh, okay. Do you know what special location that is for me? Your first kiss? No. no. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Under the bleachers. Yeah. No, I, I believe. The first it. time you were kicked by a mule. I believe it was my first concert. Just like yours. What? No. Get out of here. Yes. Well, that was the place to go. Yeah. So, uh, my first concert, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but it was Def Leppard and Crocus and another hard rocking band. And it was outdoor bleachers. That would have been 83. Yeah. Yeah. That was the concert that I couldn't go to. Right. That you probably want. That was like 1983. Prob- yeah, yeah. You probably got the tickets for me. And then, I did. Yeah. You got- I think we were going. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't go. Cause so, I had to take your ticket. Yeah. Side up. But I do want to say... Horrible eye accident. I do want to say one thing about my first concert, though, and that is that Crocus destroyed their instruments on stage. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not into, real, like, Scorpions. It's like, real, yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah. Def Leppard, Scorpions. and But, but Crocus destroyed mm-hmm. their guitars and yeah. hitting their amps. So this is my first concert, right? <laughs> I haven't even seen and Def Leppard like, yet. Why are they? No, I was thinking, oh, do they all do this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was um, that was pretty weird for me for see because I have not seen. I don't think I've seen. Are you sure that was your first concert from '83? Because why? What you the, and I, I'm pretty it, sure, went to see the Stray Cats. But it would depend on what yeah. date. Yeah. Maybe Stray Cats was your second concert because yeah. I know that was '83. Yeah, we'll have to work that out later without our listeners. Yep. Bill Cosby, though. Yeah, he, well, he wasn't playing music. No, but that was mm-hmm. our first. That was '80. First uh, event. Yeah. yeah, I believe it was '80. And uh, we shall not talk about <laughs> the bill. Yeah, I'm gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Hey, it's been it's been great going down memory lane. Oh yeah, with you. Yeah. And we have, like I said, we've been at many many concerts. So who knows? We might do a, you know, talk about more concerts next year. Or, yeah. You yeah. know, there's there's a bevy of stories we have to plethora of bevies. Yeah. So. Um, All right. Thank you everybody for listening. All right, and uh, turn off the TV. And turn up that music. Peace out. See ya. You've been listening to No Good Music, intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Rob J. Lilly and recorded at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. 
You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you.